The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, commencing at verse 31, going through to 47, and that can be found on page 1073 of the Bibles that are in the pews. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abram's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again. Uh, If you could keep your Bibles open at uh, John chapter 8, that would be super helpful. They say it's not easy being a kid. Have you heard that? It's not easy being a kid. Uh, Truthfully, I don't think it's all that easy being a parent either. Uh, At any stage or any age... Uh, I reckon you can remember times when you made life very difficult for your parents. Maybe it was when you were a teenager. Maybe it was when you were very little. I was looking back at something I'd written uh, when all my lads got three sons. Don't know why you'd have three sons. Why'd you have three sons, Debbie? Ridiculous. Uh, when they were all wee little boys. Always fun to have around, but um, there some parts that were difficult. Like when the youngest was born, he was very good during the day. He was very good during the night, up until 4.43. And I don't know whether in, when he was in hospital, the doctors implanted like an alarm clock in his head that was set to 4.43. 
He was always awake at 4.43. And, and let's be honest, you're not supposed to be alive at 4.43. And uh, you're not human at 40, 4.43. You're definitely not Christian at 4.43. And at the same time as he was being Mr. 4.43, the older two just weren't listening, you know. I'd have to tell them the same thing five times to get him to do anything. This is how it went. Mate, it's time to get out of the bath. Okay, let's get out of the bath. Buddy, get out of the bath. Bath out now. Boy, if you don't get out of the bath in the next 10 seconds, I'm going to sell you and all your toys on eBay. It is going to be a no-reserve price auction. Someone can walk away with a whole lot for a single dollar. Very difficult. They would not listen. Some people say it's not easy being a kid. I don't reckon it's all that easy being a parent either, especially when they don't listen. Now, in today's passage, Jesus says, who you listen to shows who your daddy is, who your father is, whose children you are. Jesus has just claimed to be the light of the world who brings life, chiefly by being lifted up on the cross. And as we saw last week, people don't get it. Many people don't get it, uh, which is kind of what Emily was saying. And Uh, Even those, have a look in your Bibles, verse 30 and verse 31, who seem to exhibit some form of belief in Jesus, by the end of the chapter, they're ready to pick up stones to kill him. Who you listen to shows who you really believe, shows who your daddy is, shows you whose children you are. Well, let's get into it. Firstly then, uh, true children of Abraham. Hang on a second. All right, true children of Abraham listen to Jesus. And you can see um, there in the passage how the Jews who were before Jesus insist on this ethnic connection, their ancestry to Abraham. In fact, it's pretty much the only thing they say in the first 10 verses. Uh, Read along with me in verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants. Or in verse 39, Abraham is our father. But Jesus counters them, effectively saying, listen, the true children of Abraham are the ones who listen to Jesus. So it seems to me that we better work out what is the big deal about this father Abraham and how being a descendant of that old guy is connected to listening to Jesus. So Abraham, it's not Gandalf, it's Abraham, is the first of the kind of patriarchs, the forefathers, who is properly introduced to us in Genesis chapter 12. Now, even as I say Genesis chapter 12, I imagine things are pinging in your brains Because you know that by Genesis chapter 11, things had gotten about as bad as things could get. Uh, God created a wonderful creation. He gave humanity uh, great purpose in tending that creation and filling it. And yet humanity rebelled against God in the garden in Genesis 3. And things went south as they went east out of Eden. For example, in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, one brother kills his other brother. By Genesis 6, the world is so bad that God effectively presses the reset button after sending a great flood and sparing just a righteous man by the name of Noah. And yet by Genesis chapter 11, we discover not that much had changed. As the people of the world in a place called Babylon attempted to make a name for themselves by building a tower which reached to heaven, it was really their attempt to usurp the reign of God, who is the only ruler from heaven. So in Genesis chapter 11, God scattered them across the world from Babylon, confusing their language. It's where we get our word Babel from. 
And so when I say we are introduced to Abraham in Genesis 12, what I'm really saying is he is a key part of God's solution to the absolute mess that humanity finds itself in when left to its own devices. In Genesis 12, God promises Abraham, though he is old and childless, he will be the father of a great nation. His name would be revered. All the peoples on earth would be blessed through him. But he's going to need to go to Canaan, the promised land, although he'd never seen it. And remarkably, he goes. He listens to the word of God. He believes in the promises of God. He obeys the directive of God. And to say that the next few chapters of the story represent an up and down journey for Abraham is an understatement. But on two distinct occasions, God reiterates his promises to Abraham. And despite all earthly appearances, despite human logic, Abraham believes. Then in Genesis chapter 2, in the presence of his only son, Isaac, who is literally the fulfillment of God's promise to build a great nation from Abraham, God tests Abraham by instructing him to sacrifice his own son. And Abraham was prepared to do it, prepared to obey God because he trusted in the word of God. And even in that early era, knew that God could raise him from the dead if he wanted to. And because he heard God's word, he actually spared Abraham's son. And because Abraham heard God's word, believed God's promises, Abraham indeed became the father of a great nation, the nation of Israel, the Old Testament people of God, of whom these Jews right in front of Jesus were directly related. Now that is all required background knowledge. For when the question is asked to them, who's your daddy? Who's your father? They say, well, it's him. It's Father Abraham. But Jesus says, no, you ain't no children of Abraham. Have a look at verse 37. I know that you're Abraham's kind of physical descendants, but you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Or look again down in verse 40. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do such things. You ain't no children of Abraham. I mean, you might be physically descended from him, but you're not his true children. His true children do what he did. Remember, he made room for the word of God. He trusted in the promises of God, even when it got hairy. Instead, says Jesus, you're trying to make it hairy for me. Abraham believed in the word of God. You, in contrast, are trying to kill the word of God. So you ain't no true children of Abraham. And um, he goes on the attack even more, really, because he effectively then says, let me tell you who you really are. You ain't no children of Abraham. You ain't no children at all. You're slaves. You can see in the opening verses there, Jesus says those very famous words, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. And these Jews before Jesus, who had some sort of belief in him, rightly understood that when Jesus says the truth will set you free, it, it implies they're currently in slavery. And they didn't like the sound of that. So they not only insist once again that they're Abraham's offspring, verse 33, rather oddly they say, we've never been in slavery. It's rather odd because actually their whole nation of Israel was born out of slavery in Egypt, wasn't it? And they'd been in slavery in uh, Babylon. And, and right now, as in that very moment, they were being ruled 
by Roman overlords. So odd that they say, we've never been in slavery. <laughs> but Jesus says, you ain't no sons. If I can pivot to that terminology rather than descendants, because that's what Jesus says, you ain't no sons, you slaves. Have a look at verse 34. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, the capital S son, the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. They're saying to him, we're sons of Abraham. We're not slaves to anyone. We never have been. And Jesus says, yes, you are. You're slaves to sin. The proof is obvious. You practice sin, as my old version puts it. You practice it and practice it. That's why you're so good at it. And if any of you, anyone was to object saying, you know, Scott, I don't feel like I'm a slave to sin. I don't feel like I'm a slave to anything. I would say, just show me that you're free by not sinning for a day. Just try it for a day. That's going to be difficult. So then you might think, no worries. If I'm going to be a slave to anything, I'm going to, I don't mind being a slave to sin. You know what? That sounds like it could be a bit of fun. There's a big problem with being a slave to sin. Because a slave's got no permanent place in the family. That's what Jesus says. You do your work today, the next day you could be out on your behind. But verse 35, a son has a permanent place in the family. He belongs to it forever. There he is safe, there he is loved. Now I wonder if any of you have heard of the U-curve. Uh, it's sometimes called the happiness curve book was written about this last year, basically researchers have worked out that happiness follows a generalized U-shape over the course of a life. doesn't matter what culture you live in, what era. Um, people report kind of high degrees of happiness in their late teens and their early 20s, very exciting stage of life. Right? You've got lots of freedom, you've got a driver's license, maybe you fall in love, you go on adventures, but as the years roll by, people become more and more miserable. And they hit a low point in life satisfaction sometime around their late 40s and early 50s. Who's in their late 40s and early 50s? No wonder you're so sad. It makes sense. Apparently then, as you can see on the graph, happiness kind of rebounds as you enter old age and retirement because then you can go on endless cruises where they have all-you-can-eat ice cream. And really that's all you need. Now I understand why uh, happiness kind of hits a dip um, in that age range, because I'm basically at the front end of that age range, and you've you got job pressure, and you've got um, mortgage pressure or rent pressure, and you've got school fees pressure, and the kids that wouldn't listen to you when you asked them to get out of the bath, now don't listen to you when I asked them to get off their phones, but they still want your money, the keys to your car, and you're just trapped, right, for years. And you dream about getting in your fully restored American muscle car and driving off into the distance, and then you remember you ain't got an American muscle car. And even if you did, you couldn't afford the assurance on it. Now, uh, maybe that's just a little bit autobiographical there. <laughs> I am generally happy. I understand the bottom of the U-shaped curve, and I'm okay with staying in that dip for a while for one single reason. I want to provide a safe, secure, and loving place for my sons. Who would have three? I wouldn't do it for anyone else, not even you. Certainly not for a slave. Isn't that the real problem with being a slave to sin? It means you have no secure place in the family and household of God. 
And if that is true, that we are naturally slaves to sin, what will we do? These Jews standing before Jesus, what are they going to do if they're truly without a permanent place in the household of God, though they can claim some physical descendancy? It's a very risky place to be. And we want to be in, don't we? Want to be secure. Want to be safe. Want to be loved. I want to be in the Father's household forever. I want a permanent place. Don't want to be a slave to sin. And Jesus comes along not only as the one who speaks the truth to set us free, verse 32, but as the very Son, capital S, Son, who sets us free, ultimately by his death and his resurrection. Friends, the true children of Abraham do what Abraham did. They listen to the word of God, trust in the promises of God, abide in the teachings of God, rest their future in his hands, even if that looks perilous. Or as Jesus says here, we abide in his word. That is, we we hold on to his teaching, verse 31. We know his truth, verse 32. We make room for his word. We believe him and we believe in him. And that will set us free. And we will be free indeed with a place in the Father's household forever. True children of Abraham, listen to Jesus. This morning I just want to ask you the question, is that you? Secondly, and much more quickly this morning, uh, true children of God love Jesus as well as listen to him. Children of God love him. Uh, you see there in verse 41, the Jews move on from the whole you know, Father Abraham thing because it's proved pretty fruitless in the conversation so far. They say to Jesus, we've got one Father, God, or the only Father that we have is God, to which Jesus replies quite sharply. I mean, he's rude. In verse 42, if God were your Father, you'd love me, for I come from God. He's just saying true children of God love Jesus as well as listen to him. I mean, they certainly don't try to kill him like these Jews will shortly attempt to do. But nor is our listening to Christ, our obedience to him, a begrudging hearing or a really resentful obedience. We love him. We love him as well as we listen to him. And then... Thirdly, for today, if you neither love Jesus nor listen to him, your father is not Abraham, your father is not God, Jesus scandalously says, you belong to another father, the devil. Now, he's not talking about a cartoon devil, by the way. He's talking about the personal force of evil. But he's not saying that if you're not a Christian here this morning, you're demon-possessed. You're a Satan worshipper, but he is saying that there is something devilish about knowingly rejecting the truth about Jesus, who he is, where he came from, what he claims, what he did. There's something twisted and deceived about deliberately resisting Jesus. It is an outrageous thing that he says, but read along with me from verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character or his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you don't believe me? Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? 
Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you don't hear them is that you are not of God. Now, folks, I want you to remember that these words were first directed to Jews who had showed some belief in Jesus and who will soon try to kill him. And he calls them murderers, like the devil, who has robbed humans of life from the very beginning. But he also says that their refusal to accept the truth about Jesus is just like the way the devil always speaks lies and has always refused to accept the truth about Jesus. And I do want to ask this morning, is that at all close to home for you? Some animals are exceptionally able at knowing who their offspring are. Uh, for example, rainbow fish, they, they shoal together in massive groups of relatives, but they're still able to distinguish between individual fish to work out who their family members are. It's a visual thing for them. Uh, for other creatures like mice and possibly my offspring, the clues are all to do with smell. For other animals, they can tell who their parents or their offspring are by listening. You'd know that cows are uh, so good at it that a mother cow can be heard calling for days for a calf of hers that has gone missing. Mexican bats live in massive colonies with millions of bats, yet they're able to recognize their own parents' voice. How extraordinary is that? True children of Abraham listen to Jesus. They live in his word. They know his truth. That truth sets them free and gives them a place in the father's household and family forever. It makes them children of God who love Jesus as well as listen to them. And their listening and obedience is born out of love for him, not out of resentment. But these Jews before Jesus aren't sons of Abraham and they're not sons of God. They're slaves to sin. And they bear the resemblance of Satan in their refusal to believe in Jesus and in their attempts to kill him. Now we've got to work out what we do with this material because we're not the first recipients of these words. And so I want to suggest uh, both a broad application before giving a more precise edge to Jesus' challenge here. So firstly, the broad application, that is to tell the truth in general. Tell the truth in general. I wonder if you noticed when uh, Graham read it, how much of the interaction here centers on truth and truthfulness. Uh, track it with me, verse 31, truly my disciples. Verse 32, you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. Verse 34, truly I say to you, verse 44, the devil does not stand in the truth, there is no truth in him. He lies. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. Verse 45, Jesus says, I tell the truth. And again, verse 46, I tell the truth. Now, this passage does not outrightly instruct us to tell the truth and to be truthful, does it? It tells us to listen to the truth and abide in the truth about Jesus. But it does give us a powerful sense of the position and the place of truth in the person and work of Jesus. And it gives us a powerful sense of the place of truth in the person and the work of the devil, doesn't it? Some of us live lives of lies. There's great deception in us. We, we may have spun a, a web of deceit so intricate, we've started to believe it ourselves. You know, I've known Christians who have constructed fake Facebook profiles interacting with people around the world under a false identity 
not just for a laugh, but kind of boasting of great stories of their lives and their travels and their achievements. And uh, some of us might be doing that just in other ways, you know, constructing a great impression amongst others, building a story about ourselves that's just untruthful, where we tell lies to our spouses and our children and our friends, and we give every impression that we're solid folks, but behind closed doors we're abusive or emotionally manipulative or um, just overly critical or deceitful or neglectful, and we lie even to ourselves and we don't realize it. You know, when we rationalize rather than confessing bad behavior, isn't that what we're doing? Telling lies to ourselves to make up for it. I did this because... Dot, dot, dot. I didn't do that because... Dot, dot, dot. Don't you think that if the devil is the father of lies, if Jesus is the son who told the truth that he heard in his father's presence, if the truth will set us free from our slavery to sin, that we might be people who tell the truth, who as a habit don't lie, who admit our mistakes rather than justifying them, who confess our shortcomings rather than covering over our tracks, who seek the truth rather than spinning a web of deceit. I wonder, friends, if there is something you need to come clean about today. Whether there is sin that needs confessing, or truth that needs revealing, or lies that need uncovering, or deceit that requires repentance. It's not just in matters of faith, but in matters of life that the truth will set you free. And as growth groups start up this week or next week, Excellent thing for you to throw around. If you're not in a growth group and you want to be in, write it on a card, put it in. Can't make a group, uh, growth group, but you want to be in a smaller group that's a bit more flexible, write it on a card, put it in. Want to help. Now that's the broad application of the, tr- of the passage. Tell the truth in general. Now for the specific edge, and that is really to listen to the truth about Jesus in particular. Listen to the truth about Jesus. He says that he comes from God. He says that his word is the truth, that his truth can set us free from our inherent slavery to sin. That will give us a place in the Father's household forever. He asks us to believe in his word. He requests that we make room for it in our hearts. He wants us to abide in it, that is, live with it ever before us. And if you don't know where to start, write that down on a Connect card and pop it in the bag. We want to help you with that. You want to read the Bible one-to-one with someone, write it down on a connect card, want to help you with that. If you want to give personal devotions a go, maybe for the first time, write it down on a connect card, want to help you with that. Jesus wants us to make room for his word in our hearts, and he pleads that we don't reject it and we don't reject him. Just as there is something devilish every time we lie, how much more when we deliberately resist the truth that Jesus is from God, that his word governs our lives, that his work will set us free from our slavery to sin and deliver us into the safe and loving arms of our Heavenly Father. How much more? You know, of course, that you abide in in his teaching when you want to hear his word. And you really want to put it into practice. You just know that it's good for you, even when it's difficult. You know there's room... For his word in your heart because you don't find yourself always resisting it thinking that you know better 
Though, of course, it's going to be a wrestle from time to time, of course. You know that you have received his liberating truth when you recognize deep in your soul there is no better place, and I'm not exaggerating, no better place, no place you would rather be than the safe and secure embrace of your loving Heavenly Father, even when life gets perilous along the way. Now, friends, that is what Abraham knew. And that is what Jesus offers. We are to listen to him and to love him. It ain't easy being a kid. But true children of Abraham listen to Jesus. And true children of God love him. Let's pray to him right now. Heavenly Father, do you want to thank you for the Lord Jesus and his words? We want to be people who make room for them in our hearts. Who receive them and don't resist them who abide in them, that we might know the truth, that the truth might set us free from our slavery to sin and delivering us into that special place in the Father's household and family forever. We also want to be people who tell the truth, help us to do that. For the glory of Jesus and the honour of his name, we pray all these things. Amen.